Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. It's a pleasure to be here. Every time I say that title, I'm, I, I question, is that what it's called? It's a long title for a podcast. It's too long. Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is speaking, talking. I've definitely debated that for a long time. I spent a lot of time thinking, should that be talking or speaking? And I went back and forth for a question that ultimately would have zero bearing on any part of the real world. My real world or anyone else's. But it uh, doesn't mean it didn't keep me up at night. It's a pleasure to be here yet again. I'm impressed I'm even doing this one. I'm off to Melbourne this afternoon. It's Thursday. Thursday the 28th of April, I'm off to Melbourne. And uh, tomorrow I will uh, be attending my friend's wedding where I get another roll of the dice. Another chance to see my, my, my biggest life goal come true. One of, one of the things that I really want... I think my life will feel unfulfilled if this doesn't take place where I attend a wedding and either the bride or groom doesn't show up. That is one of my fantasies. And it's nothing against this couple. Like I, I, uh, I love them both dearly. I've been trying to use the word love more frequently given I'll come back to this. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think they're a great couple. I think they're meant for each other. I think they, they work so well together. I'm very, very happy for them. But... Could you imagine the excitement? This happened at the last wedding that I was at where it took a long time for the bride to arrive and I got a little giddy. I was like, hmm, is today the day? Is there a chance? Do I dare to dream? A bride with cold feet? Is this a Netflix movie? What's happening right now? Is anyone else feeling this energy? I'm kind of looking around. Is anyone else getting nervous? The the you know the the, the the groom's looking around. He's looking at his bride's his, uh, his his groomsman. He's looking at his best man. He's like, is this? It's it's like four, right? Like she said, it was meant to start at three forty four. She's she's coming, she's coming, isn't she? Oh, I would love that so much. That's one of those things you only ever see in films. But can you could you imagine attending a wedding that doesn't end up being a wedding? Wouldn't that be the best? Attending a wedding when no one gets married. Oh. One day. One, I wonder how frequently that happens. It must be a real unicorn event to be privy to one of those. It would be so exciting. What do you do? Then what happens? Do you get your gift back? The invite for this particular wedding did say, hey, uh, we don't need any gifts uh, we have more than enough, but if um, if you would like to donate something, you can donate to our wishing well. But we, you know, we don't we don't need anything. It said that basically, but in rhyme, because it's a wedding invite, and someone had to get paid five hundred dollars to write the copy for it, because weddings are a scam. Um, and I said to my partner, she's like, "Well, do we need to get a card? Um, do we want to get cash?" I was like, "Oh no, no, the the invite said they don't need anything." And she's like, "You fucking idiot! Every invite says that they don't mean it." Give the, the invite says we don't need anything. We your presence would be more than enough. But the the subtone, the subtext is give us some money. We don't need anything because we don't trust your taste. Give us cash. Leave the purchasing to us. Just you know what? Just leave your credit card at the door and call us when you want us to stop spending. That would be a true gift for us on our most important of days. 
And of course, I, I do, I hope, I hope tomorrow isn't the day that I see a bride do a runner. I hope, I hope it's not tomorrow. Um, but also, I hope to see it one day. And if it is tomorrow, beggars can't be choosers. I'll have to just accept that, that a very, very good friend of mine in what I thought was a beautiful, happy relationship um, ha- has had his heart broken. But I have ticked a significant item off my bucket list. Have, if, you've ever, if you've ever been at a wedding that didn't end up taking place, and I don't mean like called off the day before, that, that would be exciting too. The relief would be delightful. To know I don't have to go to the airport today. Don't again. Thoroughly looking forward to it. I should also point out I am emceeing this wedding. Uh, f- I, as as you long term listeners of this podcast, and uh, in the context of this podcast, long term listener means two and a half months. As the long term listeners of this podcast would know, the loyal fans, the uh, the respecters, the respecters out there. That's what we call them. Uh, would know um, the last wedding. Or two, I've been a part of. I haven't had a role, um, but this wedding, I am MC. Finally, finally, some of my friends can see what's under their nose the whole time. But they have a born entertainer in their midst, a a, a born professional comedian who could turn their wedding into an event. All right, take something as banal as the coming together of two people for life and turn it into something as amazing and entertaining as a, an amateur semi-professional comedy show. And that is uh, what the bride and groom have had the wisdom and the foresight to do this weekend. And uh, I've, I've, written, I've written my piece. I know what I'm going to say. And oh, oh, it's brutal. I'm going hard at the bridesmaids. I'm going full steam. They, they you know... I hope they keep the makeup artist on site because uh, she might have to do a few touch-ups by the time I'm done with them. The best wedding roast I ever heard. And if, if you're hearing this um, and you are one day at my wedding, you'll probably hear me steal this because I think it's so great. A friend of mine, he was getting married. He was giving his groom's speech and uh, he, he said uh, to the bridesmaids, uh, thank you so much for everything you've done for Jess, his wife. Thank you so much for everything you've done for Jess. Today, you had two jobs, to keep Jess calm and excited on her big day and to not look more beautiful than her. And I think you've passed both with flying colours. That is tremendous. I don't know if he's taken that. Like That's one of those things that if that came off a website, you would be amazed that a website would have that kind of goal just to be handed out. But if he's come up with that on the fly, if that's just original material, that's top shelf. And and that's a judgment and an evaluation coming from a professional. But yes, it is a, it's a real thrill to be asked to MC to have my talent recognised uh, as it hasn't been by the Sydney Comedy Festival Gala, where I was snubbed yet again. Four years in comedy now, never been asked to do the Sydney Comedy Festival uh, Gala. You know, they're, they're instead picking these people with, you know, uh, world tours to plug and um, TV and radio jobs. Uh, is this not the same basic job? 
doing the show some respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking podcast. I mean, sure, less people are listening by a factor of a, about a thousand, but I've got a microphone. There's a camera. I mean, no staff, no pay, no sponsors, uh, no implicit or extrinsic value uh, associated with it for anyone. But um, still, it's a po- it's it, this, this is a podcast, and you're telling me that that uh, that's not every bit as valuable as a as a paid traditional media uh, radio. Or television job. Uh, every now and then, there's a there's a real realignment of my self perceptions and uh, my external achievements, and it, it it's it's not pleasant. I don't like it. I don't like it. I uh, a very clear one of those has been watching the ticket sales for for this comedy show that I've got coming up. So. I, I'm going to bring it up again. I'm bringing it up every week. If you're listening, please come along. My Sydney Comedy Festival show starts next Thursday, the 5th of May, Thursday and Friday night, 9.30pm at the Factory Theatre. Um, a little a little bit of behind-the-scenes goss that you may or may not be privy to um, is that I uh, really overreached in venue size for this year's Comedy Festival in that I did the Comedy Festival last year. I did... Two nights in a 50-seater, sold them both out, got a little cocky, got to the Laughs at a Lockdown Festival in December of last year, the big coming-out-of-lockdown comedy festival that, uh, that the industry put on. I upsized. I did three nights at an 80-seater. Didn't sell at any of them. Um, you know, half capacity was a, a good result. Um, but it was, it was December. It was in the midst of of COVID uh, rearing its head yet again. And I thought, oh, this isn't reflective of, of my, the demand for my tickets. This is, this is an anomaly. Let's keep going. So for some reason, I've decided to do two nights at 130-seater, 260 tickets, which at the time seemed like a phenomenal idea. At the time, it felt as if this was the only decision to make and really... I only chose the 130-seater because the 400-seater was unavailable. Um, and the closer we get to the day, the more I come to realize and remember, oh, yeah, not only am I not particularly famous or well-known as a comedian, I'm also not particularly popular with people people do you know some of my friends have sold out quite big rooms but they also have enormous social circles of uh, loving friends and family my family is of three people uh, and one of them is going to be overseas at the time my dad will do anything to avoid having to come face to face with my artistic dreams uh, and I have like 12 friends, 12, 12 friends if you include uh, their partners, which, you know, if we're sticking to the true definition of friends, maybe shouldn't be counted, but, but let's count them. Um, so I, I've been pestering quite a lot of people who, to be honest, I have almost no relationship with anymore, 
people who, who the foundation of our friendship is that we went to school together a decade ago. And just letting them know, hey guys, if, if you ever felt like um, giving me uh, both $25 and an hour of your time, plus probably another half hour each way commuting um, on, on a Friday night, you know, the night where you do the stuff you most look forward to the entire week, well, have I got good news for you. And look, I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping those people would come. I'm, I'm thinking maybe they'll be like a lot of the people I went to school with when I run into them. They're so, they're very kind of intrigued by this thing that I do. They don't really know what to expect of it. So who knows? Maybe they will come along. Um, but just in case, I thought, well, I'll, I'll buy some Facebook ads. I'll put some ads out on Facebook and Instagram and that'll, that'll move the tickets. That'll do it. So I've put quite a lot of money behind this. I've talked to friends. He's like, look, why don't you put a couple of dollars for every ticket you have to sell? You know, and in that way, that's, you know, that, that's, that way, if, if, you, if you sell 20 tickets, you've covered your costs. And that's, that's more or less true. If I can sell 20 tickets across two nights, maybe 25 once the festival gets, maybe 30. So 15 people need to buy a ticket for them and a friend. That's very doable. And um, the great thing about Facebook ads is it gives you so much data about how many people have seen the ad, how many people have clicked on it, how many, um, how many people have clicked on it more than once, uh, how many people have purchased. And that's really great if your ads work. And when your ads don't work, it's very depressing. Because currently uh, my conversion, like my dollars per conversion rate, they kind of give you, okay, for every... Um, X dollars you spend, you sold Y items. Is currently sitting at my what is it? So my my current conversion rate is um, oh it's it's zero dollars. Yes, it's, it's well technically it's infinity dollars because you can't divide by zero because I've spent hundreds of dollars on on advertising and not sold a single ticket through Facebook ads. I can't begin to tell you how harsh reality that is to not just wake up to every morning, to have constant access to. I can check it right now and tell you, look, I'll, I'll do it. I'll go, to, I'll go to ads manager and I'll just, and I'll just check how, how is it going. What's my conversion rate now? Like best case scenario, my conversion rate could be like $400. Uh, so let's see, uh, reach 10,000, impressions, 16,000, amount spent. Don't worry about that. Uh, link clicks, 335, video plays, video, uh, website purchases, conversion value, $0. I can hear the footsteps of my house. Every now and then I, I get reminded that there are people that exist around me and I get very self-conscious about it. I'm, I'm recording from a different space if you're watching on the YouTube channel. And thank you for the 13 people that have subscribed to my YouTube channel. I appreciate that. I feel like I'm being far too vulnerable about how not well comedy is going at the moment. I'm like, hey, no one's listening to the podcast, no one's watching the podcast, no one's buying tickets to my show. Oh, but please keep pe- listening. Keep tuning in. Now, this is what people want. Authenticity. They, they, don't, they don't want you to spin it. Um, I'm recording in, in, in my uh, living room instead of I usually record in our study. Because uh, technically, um, technically it's it's Thursday at eleven thirty, and uh, I'm 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 still working, so I'm just keeping an ear out to, to if my if I can hear a Teams call going from the other room, so I can rush over there. But um, 
So the study's still set up with all my work stuff and I'm in the living room. And the living room uh, kind of looks over, like if you look out the window, you look to the apartment next door and the apartment next door is actually uh, like a council housing facility. And um, there are these two Irish guys that live on the top floor, like directly opposite us. Like I can look straight through their window. First of all, TV is on 24 hours a day. Like I'll come out here to, to, to wee in the middle of the night. TV is on. Constantly watching TV. But they're very Irish. And you'd ask, well, how do you know they're Irish? Have you met them? No. Have you, have you spoken to them? No. Have you run into them outside? No. Uh, I know they're Irish because um, every second night they get blind drunk and uh, shout at each other that they're both cunts for f- not that long, five or ten minutes. And I can and 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 I can't eavesdrop without being caught. It's just it's not possible. I'm like there. I have actually opened the windows and then sat underneath them trying to catch what this conversation is. And it's always, it's always totally incomprehensible. Uh, but uh, look, I'll I'll keep you posted. But the, I think they're I think they're father and son. One of them's super old, and then one of them's just kind of like in his fifties, I'd say. But one of them is like on death's door for sure. Um, just Guinness and cigarettes, the only things that are keeping him going. Um, and I'm very self conscious about recording this right right across from like I. This is this is the state of my self evaluation. Is I'm very concerned about being judged by the two council house Irish father and son couple that live just you know about ten meters away. Um, so hopefully they don't see this, or maybe they listen. For all I, maybe they're fans of the pod. If you are, hey, please let me know. Get in touch. Strange Irish man who lives across the road. Um. Tell us, what are you arguing about? I would love to know. Oh, I don't know if I finished the thought before. Maybe I did. If you have been at a wedding and someone has not shown up, please let me know. I want to know that story so bad. I, I want to I know if it's as good as I think it's going to be. That's all the kind of pitter-patter. What's been going on this week? Very little, if I'm honest. Uh, here's the thing. Hey, <laughs> I've, I'm, oh, that was what I was going to say. I put up you. A lot of you would have seen this. Like I'm, 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 I'm getting back into the world of TikTok. I'm starting to putting stuff out there again because I had a video go kind of well there, and now I I value all those fucking fifteen year olds again. Oh god, it's truly the worst generation. I don't think you meant to think this at thirty. I think you meant to think this at fifty. The generation below you are just a waste of space, but. I think that speaks to how useless this next generation is. I put up a video um, from the podcast, which was me talking about how uncomfortable I am with my friends telling me they love me. And I think one thing I, I do, in fairness, take for granted when I put those things out there totally without context is there is a subset of people who just, especially now that autism is so popular, do you know, I just feel like so many people are like both, so many people are both securing and then bragging about autism diagnoses in a, in a way that I never saw coming. Um, so many people just don't grasp irony whatsoever. 
And maybe it's also common to just like, there's so many fucking idiots out there who are posting videos like I would be posting, just totally genuine, just just sharing their thoughts and feelings. But there were also enough people being like, this is satire, you idiot. My in my TikTok handle is like Tom with Kim Comedy. You'd think they could work it out. But I, I posted this thing and I'm getting all of these emotionally enlightened 17-year-old men and non-binary people and some women as well, but just like, this is sad. What's wrong with you? Just because you can't show emotions doesn't mean other people can't. Hey, if other people want to share their emotions, that's their decision. Leave them out of this. I'm like, guys, climate change can't come fast enough. I'm so glad you guys are going to have to deal with that, you little fucking Greta Thunbergs. I, I, I can't wait to see the world collapse on each and every one of you while you choreograph a TikTok dance in the background. Ugh. It's so, I mean, this is what I, this is the life that I've tried to create for myself, which is just to open myself up to public dissection. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about how can I put out content every single day of the week. You know what that draws? Comments. You know, because, and that's, the worst part is the comments are good for the algorithm. Like, you know, I, that's better for my business, but worse, so much worse for my mental health. Because you, you, you start off going, I'm not going to reply to this. I'm not going to talk back to these idiots. What's the point? And then you're like, oh, no, no, here, I've got a great, I've got a great comeback for this. This will be worthwhile. And the next thing you know, you are now emotionally engaged in these ridiculous conversations with these children that don't realize they're children. It doesn't happen on Instagram. It does. It does in, on Instagram. People, you know what people do when they see something they don't like on Instagram? They go to the next thing. Because at least our gener, at least some people in my generation and above are like, I don't like this, but I don't need anyone to know why. Me not liking it is enough. I can move on. Whereas Gen Z, like I don't like this, and. Everyone needs an explanation. In fact, if I can convince people who do like this to stop liking this, that would be ideal. And then I put out that video last week about the... Uh, I don't know if I talked about this. I talked about this on the pod last week, but about the um, Formula One drivers and uh, or Formula One fans, how, how uh, women, hot women are taking over Formula One fandom. And uh, I, which that drew one of two types of responses. One of them was women going, are you gatekeeping a professional sport? Oh, all you men, you cry when women come be involved in your thing. Get over it, you loser. And I'm like, oh, guys, that wasn't, that wasn't really what I was trying to say. I was just, I was just saying, it's funny how Formula One fans used to be nerds and, and now they're like influencers. And then I get the other side of the spectrum, which is like, yeah, you're right. Fucking chicks ruin everything. And I'm like, guys, Oh, not you either. I don't want either of you. Can can anyone who felt the need, if if I could, if I if I could target people who don't comment on things, that's my demographic. That's that's the type of people that I I don't want. I don't I don't. It's it's the same way that like no comedian wants an audience that fancy themselves as great hecklers. That's that's not what we we want you to sit and listen. That's the same way. Like if I could if I could somehow 
create Facebook ads targeted explicitly and exclusively to people who don't feel the need to be a part of the discourse. That would be great. I'm sorry, I've just been distracted. My laptop's just put up the video of a dog and a cat who are friends. <laughs> now that's content. That's what I should be doing with my life. I shouldn't be writing just... I should just be getting animals that don't belong together to be friends and be there to film that moment. That is an evergreen piece of entertainment. And sure, maybe a few cats will die along the way in making those videos, but the heartwarming outcomes... Now I'm watching a kid rollerblade for some reason. Hey, this is on the New York Post, by the way. This is the New York Post website that just showed me a 45-second video of a, of a young child rollerblading. News, hey? Not what it used to be. The reason I'm on this news website is I, I'm aware that I spend a lot of this podcast just talking about myself. That is, that is what most of this is. And you know what? Uh, that was kind of, the, kind of the point. To be totally uh, open with you all, and I, you know, I, the, the point of this podcast to me was how do I learn to be better on a podcast? How can I just get used to just talking for 30 minutes? And it's super indulgent, but you know, that, as is everything I do in my life. That, that is, indulgence is kind of the only thing that I'm seeking. And, um, but I'm trying to make clips and put stuff out and I'm like, well, I can't just put clips out of me talking about me because who's going to give a shit? So I'm like, oh, I should engage with public events, with, uh, you know, w- what's topical, what's happening in the news. And I thought, well, Elon Musk has, uh, has bought Twitter. Elon Musk has bought, Elon Musk has bought one of the biggest social platforms in the world, Elon Musk has bought Twitter. Uh, that's me saying, <laughs> this, is, this is true, that's me saying it because I'm looking at the camera now. I wasn't looking at the camera when I said it the first time. So if I make a, a TikTok video out of this, I can clip it up. Just a little peek behind the curtain as to how unartistic my pursuit has become. Um, and I, Maybe I should comment on that. What's my take? What do I think about Elon Musk taking over the last bastion of free speech, Twitter. And honestly, I have no idea how I think about it, but I'll tell you this, Joe Rogan's excited, and that's enough for me. I, I've, I've formed an entire personality over the last decade by agreeing with whatever Joe Rogan told me. Why would I stop now? I heard Joe Rogan's take on a podcast where he went, Elon Musk is like a superhero. He's like a real-life superhero. You know, he's firing rockets into the into space. He's building tunnels underneath cities. He's buying these multinational companies. I'm like, Joe, these are villains. These are villain moves. These this In what, what movies are you watching where you're like, that's the good guy? What, Joe Rogan's watching Superman and being like, man, how do, how's Lex Luthor going to get out of this one? I, I, keep, I keep seeing these Superman films and they keep, they keep ending them really down. Lex Luthor just keeps getting beaten. I, I don't get it. But uh, the, one, so, uh, the reason I got the New York Post open was I was, just, I was doing a bit of a read. Like, what, what is the take? What, is, what are people saying about Elon Musk buying Twitter? I think it'd be interesting. Um, and the thing that I saw, and I was like, do I really want to talk about this or not? I, I don't really know. And then I Googled Elon Musk Twitter, and uh, the first thing that came up was 
Controversy grows after Musk engages with tweets criticizing Twitter staff. And I'm like, fuck, I'm in. I don't give a shit about the business case. I don't care what this means for free speech. You know what I care about? Uh, people getting into Twitter arguments about Twitter. That is all kinds of me. I Watching online public discourse take place with just no recognition from any party involved that there is a human being on the other side of the keyboard, love that. Love that so much. Of course, I love it at the start, and then it starts to really hurt my feelings. But to begin with, all about it. Let's do it. Let's let's call some people that we've never met retards and deal with the consequences later. I'm I'm all about that. And when you throw into the musk, uh, throw into the mist a musk. When you throw a musk into the mix, I am all over it. Um. <laughs> Physically cringy watching Elon talk about free speech, a site reliability engineer who identifies as a non-binary transgender and plural person wrote. Of course they do. Um, You guys ever watch those like um, woke cringe compilations on TikTok and stuff? I don't know why they bring me so much joy. I don't know what it is. It really, like I'm, I've been trying to think about this for comedy purposes, for stand-up writing. Like, I, I, I'm very invested in this whole kind of, like, social justice warrior, blue hair, non-binary, you know, genderqueer. Like, something about it both interests and frustrates me. But I can't work out if I have a take that isn't just offensive. Because that's not, I don't I don't want to just be I want to have I want to have a, a real take on this but also it's like oh my god it's so cringy watching Elon Musk talk about free speech they them said just oh god I'm sure a lot of people are genuinely non-binary have never felt an association with either gender that made sense but I feel like a lot of people that I've met that are non-binary, just identify as people who don't receive enough attention. That seems to be the common thread from my lived experience. And who are you to question my lived experience, okay? I think I would know more about my perceptions of the world than you would, all right? That's the other thing they say about, you know, trying to talk about somebody else's gender. It's like, I'm pretty sure they know more about their gender than you know about their gender, okay? It's their lived experience. Like, how many people do you know who have no fucking idea about how they come across or what they're doing? It's like they're just totally oblivious to what their life is like because they're too close to it. Let me tell you what you are doing wrong, all right? I know better than you do. Trust me, I have a podcast, Okay, what what more credential could I possibly need? <laughs> We're all going through the five stages of grief in cycles and everyone's nerves are frazzled, wrote a senior staff software engineer who called Musk an asshole and tried to console his colleagues. We're all spinning our wheels and coming up with the worst case scenarios. The fact is that Musk has not talked about what he's planning on doing in any detail outside of broad sweeping statements that could be easily seen as hyperbolic showboating. Love that. Love that. This guy hasn't come out and made any claims about what he's going to do whatsoever. What a fucking prick. 
This guy hasn't made it clear at all what his plans are, and so we must all panic immediately. I mean, obviously, people who work at Twitter, they're not getting the cream of the crop at Twitter, are they? Really? Not in terms of abilities or intelligence, just in terms of, like, decency. You've got to imagine they're... Who would work at Twitter? That place is a cesspool, and you want to make that your 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. No thanks. This is like when the Dave Chappelle thing happened with Netflix and all the Netflix people stormed out. It's like, guys, great. You should storm out. The sooner they have an excuse to send these jobs to China, the better. They've been begging for an opportunity to hire an Indian software engineer as opposed to having to pay you 10 times as much for 12 times as much grief. Please give us an excuse. Give us any reason. Look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm, uh, this podcast has reached the length that uh, it usually reaches when I tend to call it quits. Um, I've also gone down a, a, an alley of speaking about something that I have no idea about whatsoever. I don't use Twitter. I don't know much about Elon Musk. I don't understand business. I don't read the New York Post other than live on a podcast. This is where people do really question the, the whole the whole morality of having a podcast in the first place. Who am I to be talking to anyone about anything? Maybe I should just talk about myself for half an hour every week. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As I said, I've had to pull this one off on a, on a lunch break because I'm actually working today, uh, but it's turned out fun. I think it's been okay. I, I get, you know what, every now and then I get messages from a few of you saying you like the podcast, you've been listening. It means a lot. I really appreciate it. There is no reason for anyone to listen to this podcast ever. Who am I? But the fact that anyone does is, uh, is very, very sweet, especially people that I don't know. Like people that I've never met listening to this podcast, guys, that blows my mind. That is, I, I try to keep track of that. Like obviously um, it would be better if there were 100,000 of you. Um, but the fact that there are any of you is, is, is very cool. So um, look, if you can come to my comedy show next week, I'd love that. If you can, Oh, this week, it's because it'll be Tuesday when this comes out. It'll be in two days time. If you can come, I would love that. Everything is in service for the stand-up, right? That's kind of what I want to do with my life. That's the, that's, that's the point. Um, this is just an addendum to that. If you could come, I would love to see you there. If not, I still very much appreciate you listening. Look at me getting earnest. This is the most me I've been on this podcast. I'm not a huge fan. Don't know how you guys have found it. But until next time, I mean, you do your own research about Elon Musk and Twitter. You make up your own decision. And just do your best to align that decision with mine. Uh, and if not, we can, we can argue about it on, on a social media platform. Maybe make a TikTok that I can stitch with my own take and then someone else can stitch that back and then we can all just get in a big fighting circle jerk that is the internet. Until next time, have a fantastic week. Maybe I'll see you this week. If not, I'll chat to you next week. See ya.